Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email agelessarttattooandpiercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2017, one man's vision and passion for all things metal started out as a record store in his house. Years later, the fight against a mainstream empire continues as Shade Beast. An independent metal collective and online store based in Athens, Georgia, is the world's premier heavy metal brand for music heads that value authenticity over the mainstream acceptance. Featuring original t-shirts from some of the best underground artists, as well as stickers, posters from the Shade Beast Presents concert series. Unique, one-of-a-kind collectibles and small curated selection of vinyl and cassettes from the masters old and new. Visit ShadeBeast.com and enter promo code SITHLORD for free domestic shipping on your first order, whether you're a new customer or returning. And be sure to join the Shade Beast social groups on Facebook and the interwebs to keep up with the new release announcements and talk all things metal and Star Wars. You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and filth. St. 
Thank you for tuning into the Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson and I'm your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at metalforgeradio at gmail.com or visit the website metalforgeradio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. What is going on, Metalheads? Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of The Metal Forge. How are you all doing yet again this week? Wow. We have Becky Baldwin from the band Fury, Hands Off Gretel, and you might have recognized her on tour with Merciful Fate for their United States tour back between October and November. Yeah, fucking that's awesome. But before we talk to Becky, we're going to talk about a few other things. I'm going to do the ripped from the headlines, you know, because there's just so much shit that seems like it's going on. And I know I used to report on this and then it just felt like like they were like TMZ and dirt sheet shit and everything. And it's like, come on, man, really? But this one is just too fucking good. So apparently at the... uh, at one of the Exodus concerts in uh, Penticton, British British Columbia, there was a guy who was dressed as Jesus that was kicked out of the show for going a little too fucking hard in the pit. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? You're, it's Jesus. Fuck you. You shouldn't be there, right? <laughs> Somebody had said he was fine when we met him. Oh, my screen jumped here. Where did it go? It says he was fine when we met him, but we saw him later and he looked really angry, so we started referring to him as Angry Jesus. Pretty sure he spent the night in the drunk tank. He missed most of the show. (laughs) Apparently he got kicked out of the fucking show during fucking Suicide Messiah of all... Of all fucking songs. It's like, what the fuck? Um, Gary Holt uh, commented on it on his Instagram page. He says, you can't make this shit up. A little humor to follow my doctor's visit for x-rays after I ate shit on a slippery bus step and getting off at the border crossing. Worst pain ever, but nothing broken. Probably an under-the-skin blood clot. Fucking hurts, but standing hurts. So at least Grand Forks. Uh... Uh, may may not be all over the stage uh, or doing anything but riffing, but it's going to be sick. The funny thing is, is, he just totally fucking, he retweeted the fucking, the picture of the police carrying this fucking dude out with his hands fucking handcuffed behind his back. So fucking, it's like, what the fuck, man? Jesus at an Exodus show. Sorry, pal. Sorry. Sorry. So, yeah, some other things that are, like, happening, which is really fucking cool, too. Fucking Obituary. You might have remembered this from last week, where Athena reviewed the Obituary album uh, last week. And, holy fuck, today... uh, Well, actually, I say today, but yesterday, on Thursday, they announced a tour. You know, that they're taking out Blood Incantation, Immolation, and Ingrown. Holy fuck. And that tour, the last day, is in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the last day of the show, and it's awesome. And it looks like they're going to everywhere. They're starting out in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's going roughly a month. 
So they're Charlotte, Virginia Beach, Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, New York, Boston, Montreal. They're gonna do a few shows in Canada, Chicago. You know, and then they're gonna go all the way out west. You know, they're gonna be in uh, in Washington and Utah and L.A., Arizona. And then they're you know they're gonna hit. Uh, they're just gonna make their way back through. You know, and that's gonna be a fucking kick ass kick ass show. Um. It looks like it was originally planned for Headliners Music Hall in Louisville, but I believe it's been uh, uh, the Mercury Ballroom here in Louisville. I believe that's who actually has the show. But fuck yeah, it's going to be awesome because I'm going to check it out. I'm going to be there. And then uh, the Monday night, the next night, my band Overload is playing Metal Monday at the Double Tap, the Highland Tap Room uh, on the Memorial Day uh, Monday. So fuck yeah. Awesome stuff. And the, the next thing that I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm not really going to talk about it. I'm just going to bring this up and it's, it's more of the, the, uh, the Pantera stuff, you know, they, you know, they had a show canceled in, uh, Nuremberg, uh, Germany. And yeah, it was like the rock AM ring and, Rock I Am Park show. So, uh, yeah, we're going to check in with Jason from the Heavy Metal Wasteland and see what he has to say about it. Because that's what he's talking about this week is the the Pantera reunion slash uh, reimagining whatever you want to call it. Welcome back to the Wasteland. Hope everyone's having a good 2023 so far. I have to admit, this month's been a little uh, lackluster uh, as far as stuff going on or coming out. Uh, the ob- new obituary album has probably been the biggest thing to release this month, and Athena already covered that pretty extensively. So if you missed last week's Raven episode, uh, go listen to that to get her opinion on it. I think it's pretty good, too. Uh, I had a band released an album called Screamer that I was going to talk about, but I just really wasn't into the album enough to really gloat about it too much. So at the time of recording this, I actually told Mark I was thinking about skipping this week. And then lo and behold, uh, this morning, uh, January 24th, is the day I'm recording this, there was an article popped up that said Pantera had been canceled by two festivals in Europe. Uh, two German festivals. Uh, Rock Am Ring and Rock I Am Park. Uh, they said they dropped them due to racist lyrics from pressure from fans, bands, partners, and sponsors. I thought about this for a little while today before I recorded this and had a couple of uh, opinions that might clash a little bit. Uh, first one is, um, this was canceled because of Phil, not Pantera. Uh, so obviously everyone knows about the Dime Bash incident uh, many years ago where he did the uh, Hail Hitler or White Power salute. Uh, He said it was due to him drinking white wine, which in his defense, uh, some of the most uh, fucked up I've ever seen people has been on wine. So uh, it's very possible, I guess. But you just just don't do that. 
um, under any circumstance, unless, you know, you're really into uh, following Hitler. And uh, I don't really think he is, but at the same time, the video is pretty incriminating. I mean, it's pretty spot on from, you know, all the World War II videos that I've watched over the years. And uh, it's just something that f will follow him around for the rest of his career, it looks like. Uh, for a while, I thought he weathered the storm. He was uh, playing on some pretty big tours. He did the uh, Slayer Farewell Tour with his uh, Illegals band. Down had some uh, shows here and there, even though uh, they got canceled in Europe uh, right after it happened. So, even though I don't think he's a racist, uh, it looks like uh, he might hang around people who are racist and, and do stuff like that, which sucks. Because I know the dude actually grew up in a pretty poor part of Louisiana, where the uh, where whites were pretty much the minority. Uh, but on the other hand, the band Pantera itself, um, if they're canceling the band Pantera, and I still say Pantera in quotes, they should really go back and read some of the lyrics uh, on the early albums, especially on the Vulgar Display of Power album. So the two songs that come to mind real quick are the songs No Good and Rise. Uh, if you if they went back and read those lyrics, uh, they would probably see that the the band wasn't really about um, you know, white power and rebel flags. Even though if you didn't grow up during the time of Pantera when they were active and looking in the window, you would probably assume these guys were racist based on Phil's uh, skinhead look and Dimebag's uh, rebel flag guitar. But besides that, when people uh, assume stuff, they should really look into all aspects of a band, or anyone, really, before determining that they're uh, racist or whatever-ist. I just don't really think it's true, and just blaming it on the band instead of just saying Phil uh, kind of sucks for the Abbott Brothers, because, you know, obviously no one does research anymore, and they just believe what they read, which uh, is sad, but, you know, very true in this world today. I really hope one day whatever bands or partners had an issue playing with uh, Pantera or, uh, you know, Exposed. So we could see if maybe they're throwing stones at a glass house uh, as well. Again, yeah, this is my opinion. Uh, you know, nobody's opinion is wrong. If you don't like Pantera, that's fine. I mean, if you like Pantera, it's cool too. You shouldn't not like something because somebody says not to like them. It's akin to, like, if... Um, you found out that someone you hate likes pepperoni pizza, and you just stop liking pepperoni pizza because someone you don't like likes it also. It's kind of ridiculous. But alright guys, I'm going to keep this one short. Again, thanks to Mark for having me on the Metal Forge as always. Uh, and remember, the Flamekeeper Patreon is out there. Uh, we keep adding some uh, new stuff uh, pretty regularly, so you know if you want to get in, uh, sub start at the buck and go up to five with uh, some perks. Uh, added, added in along the way. And again, uh, I apologize for my voice. I seem to be coming down with something at the time of recording this. But as always, guys, remember to stay safe, stay heavy, keep the heavy metal flame lit, and we will see you next time. So by the time I'm recording this, this is insane because... Uh, uh, Jason recorded his a few days ago, and they had only canceled the one show, but now they've got a second show canceled as well in uh, Vienna, Austria. Um, you know, that's the whole thing about it is whether or not you believe that that he 
is or was a, a like a racist or white power, you know, what the fuck ever. Uh, they don't take too kindly to that shit in Germany and Austria. You know, that's a part of the history that they that most of the people that I know from there, they really, you know, they don't want they don't like it. And, you know, it, it, it's fucked up for sure. And I could sit there and say that, you know, I, I didn't see this coming. But, like, I guess it's only a matter of time before when shit gets out like that, that it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. You know, that's the way the, the whole idea of, you know, just the internet culture of things is now. You know, you can go through and say something 10 years ago on Twitter, and guess what? It's like you said it yesterday. Sorry. And and it sucks. I mean, it really does suck because, yeah, I mean, it seems like they're out there trying to do a good thing, but, you know, for like the, the you know, for the fans and stuff like that is what I'm trying to say. I know a lot of metalheads don't agree with it because of, uh, you know, with it being Zach Wilde and Charlie Benante, because it's not, you know, it's not Pantera. It's Rex and Phil and two guys playing the parts. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just it's just a weird fucking situation, but I don't want to waste any more time talking about that shit. Uh, we're going to stay positive today. We're going to fucking... Uh, Go full on. We're going to kick ass here. We're going to start this show with Fury. You know, this is the band that Becky Baldwin is primarily in. And this is It's Rock and Roll. Your heart 
Frank Maniacs. This is a special treat this week because I have none other than Becky Baldwin from the band Fury. And if you're here in the United States, you might have noticed here uh, just about a couple of months ago, she was the fill-in bass player for Merciful Fate. Becky, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I am doing awesome. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> uh, so everybody knows this is kind of like a pre-recorded interview thing, and I'll go ahead and say, yeah, I feel hungover this morning, but I'm good. I- I'm I'm kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> uh, so, how is every you now? You're in in the UK, right? Yes, yeah, in Birmingham. Okay, so oh wow, the the home of metal. Uh, it is, yes. <laughs> yeah, Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, holy shit! That absolutely, yep. <laughs> so you you've totally got metal running through your veins at this point, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I am a, an adopted brummy um i moved here about two years ago but it, it was because i love the city so much because of its metal roots that was why i wanted to one of the reasons why i wanted to move here so but yeah yeah like i it, you know it called me here and i, and I had to go <laughs> you know that is totally rad because reading rob halford's book confess and all of the stuff that i've read about black sabbath you know they they none of those guys ever had like you know they yeah, everybody wants to get out when you're young and stuff, but they have always done so much for Birmingham. Yeah, absolutely. When, yeah, like, it, the, you know, the whole culture of, of Birmingham is still, you know, there's still a lot of venues that, you know, have, have a lot of live metal music and there's like the, uh, uh, there's like artwork of Black Sabbath in certain areas of Black Sabbath Bridge and stuff. I, I actually haven't visited there yet. <laughs> nice. Wild, but um, yeah, you know, that's the thing, you know, when you live somewhere, you don't do the touristy things, but um, it's, it's on my list. I'll do it someday. <laughs> well, yeah, because it, it, it's totally cool because like you said, when you live somewhere, it, you always sit there and say, well, I could do that anytime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, Tell everybody about Fury, because I want to talk to you about Fury as well. Yeah, cool. So uh, they're a heavy metal band, uh, very much influenced by the likes of Metallica and Iron Maiden. So if you're that into that kind of thing, that's, that's you know, there's a modern kind of edge. There's like a new kind of energy, a youthful energy, I think, in there. But, you know, we're all into that kind of 80s. Uh, heavy metal like you know when it was at its its best um so yeah we're a five-piece band based in birmingham and we've released four albums um i've only been part of the last two albums because i joined them later on in in the band's career um and yeah so our last album's called uh born to sin and i mean i think it's really cool like if you're into like your metal like fast like you know very motorhead influenced i think this this latest album was so um yeah yeah i've been the bass player for this band since um around the end of 2017 awesome and yes uh very much a huge you know motorhead fan on on my front so right definitely so you also you mentioned the motorhead thing with it and you do play a rick so yep <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah uh so what is the the next thing that's going to come up with with fury um so 
God, we're like planning to tour the UK a little bit this year, but so you know the band is not very big. Like uh, you know, when when I compare it to uh, the tour I've just had with Merciful Fate, like we, we are so nowhere near that. And and you know, new fans I've picked up have been like, oh, when are Fury coming to to the USA? When are you coming to Mexico and stuff? And it's like we're just so not. Um, you know, we don't have the industry support behind us at the moment. We're, you know, a small independent band. We um, did our first shows in uh, mainland Europe last year. So it was only in uh, like September that we did our first shows in like France, Belgium. So we're starting to uh, branch out a little bit now. Uh, but, you know, it is slow progress when you don't have the backing of a, a label or an agent. So, you know, we're completely independent. Uh, we're doing everything ourselves at the moment. You know, hopefully things will change eventually. Uh, so, yeah, we're just planning to tour the UK this year, just in some of our favorite venues. We'll probably venture out into Europe for a little tour as well. But um, we're focusing on writing the next album because we really want that one to have a big impact. And, uh, um, you know, hopefully we can then find you know attract some labels some some industry connection that can bring us to the next level because you know we've been doing the kind of small venues grassroots venues for a long time and they've really started to pick up like you know for a lot a lot of the time the band has been going it's been kind of frustrating but coming back after the pandemic or the lockdowns we had the the fan base has never been as strong and uh things seem to be going in the right direction you just kind of need uh the industry to kind of prick their ears up and like pay attention but the thing is if you're a band that's been going on for a while um and have had a few albums uh, you know the industry don't really take as much notice because they're like well if they haven't got it in their first few albums like why why would they have it now um but I think, you know, it's all about finding the right audience. And I know that our music is not very trendy at the moment because, you know, it, it, it was maybe cool in like the mid 80s and it's not cool anymore. And that's fine by me. But, you know, we just need to get there are definitely people out there that still listen to this kind of music. So we just need to find those kinds of people. Definitely. And I agree 100% with that, with the doing it because you love to do it and because it's still fun to do it. Because the reason I say that is because of, you know, there's a ton of bands out there that didn't, like, hit their stride until their third or fourth album, you know. And I think, I definitely think Motorhead is one of those. Yeah, you've got Overkill and Bomber are good albums. Yes, they've got great songs on there. But when they hit Ace of Spades, their life changed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's that's a total total thing. Now you did mention yeah. about writing and recording a new album. Yes. Already. Yeah, and, yes. And so you all just had actually put out Born to Sin last year. Uh, I mean, is it is it kind of soon for for new stuff or or is that the way the dynamic has always been with you guys? Where were you just um, writing and recording as fast as possible? I think I think you know we're we're because we have the momentum from the last two albums. So if I just kind of wind back a bit, in 2020 we released the album The Grand Prize. We released that on the fourth of April, uh, <laughs> and so we were one week into the lockdown <laughs> when that album came out, and so all of the tour dates we had booked just completely gone. And you know we had been considering like should we postpone this. And good job we didn't because, you know, we would have had to kept on postponing it. So 
you know, we put that album out knowing it wasn't going to have a big impact. Well, expecting it to not have a good impact because we couldn't tour it. And everyone was so distracted by other things. They were all just thinking about the virus and everything and not thinking about music. But what really happened was we started to focus on, okay, well, what can we do with our online uh, engagement with fans? And, you know, whereas before we could only tour the UK because that's kind of the, the contacts we have, uh, we, if we live streamed online, we could reach fans all over the world. We had fans in like the USA, in Japan, in Australia, like all corners of the world were, were listening in and, uh, and started following along and then started buying some albums. So it actually had, um, it, it actually worked out really well for us. I mean, it wasn't ideal, but it's, uh, it had its benefits. And so then we were kind of like, okay, let's quickly write the next album. So we were straight away, um, we had nothing else to do but write an album. So like, there's no tours. We had loads of time. Like, let's get this next one done. So then, yeah, in 2022, we released the next one. Um, and, you know, again, we were kind of, I guess we sort of, we didn't rush the songs, but when it came to like, okay, now we're back to touring because, uh, you know, we, we had limited amount of gigs we could do for two years. And we were like, right, let's hit this really hard in 2022. But then it felt like, okay, the album we released before is, is two years old now. We need something new. So we were like, all right, get this one out. Um, and now we have like done this tour and it's been amazing. Like the turnouts, the, the response has been great uh, for the last one and, and the one before as well. But, you know, particularly for the last one in terms of like, you know, pe you know people are attending the gigs and like, you know, reporting really good things. So you know our, our next thought is like okay if we if we're really clever with the next album um it could be the thing that brings us to like wider europe and into the usa and into like all these places we've been dreaming of playing so uh that that's the the kind of thought behind it like we don't want to like sit and be still on on an old album being like well hopefully someone will discover it one day we just need to keep bringing out new stuff and uh hopefully you know someone will take interest for sure i think a lot of these uh 2020 albums that came out from bands that that were released like yours was back in at in april of 2020 and you know just as the lockdowns started happening i think in a, in in a, about a decade people are going to rediscover those albums and they're going to be like whoa this was awesome. Why didn't this happen? Why didn't this come out? <laughs> or what? What? Why yeah. was this not a hit or something? And then they're going to realize, oh well, it was during this this crazy time. <laughs> yeah. And this yeah, worldwide you know, like, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, like the whole music industry, you know, must like be in a complete panic. You know, all of these labels and uh, management and you know everything, agents, because they suddenly got no way of making any money, so they wouldn't trust an, a new band, a small band. So. Um, right. Yeah, like I think it's something that you know you may discover the smaller bands and their little lockdown releases <laughs> years later. Oh, for sure. And and not only just that, not only just on uh, how you were saying that they couldn't make any money because there was no shows or no tours or anything like that, but when the the way they did find out that they could make money, it has completely screwed everything else up. Where it's you've got all these record pressing plants that are still backlogged two years. Oh later. my God. <laughs> and tell me about it. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, it's interesting because like I'm a, I'm a Metallica fan and I bought the black album box set, that big giant box nice. set, the, the anniversary set. 
And as I was going through the digital download card for it, where you could download everything, it was, and they have their own, their own pressing plant, but they still like lease things out to people. Like they still, uh, okay, well, disc makers, you're going to make, uh, 200,000 copies of it, so-and-so, you're going to make 100,000. So they're not all being done at one place. Well, it was interesting that they even hit up these really small places to to print their to print their vinyl for that box. Yeah. Because they had to. Yeah. Yeah, they just, you know, if you suddenly need, you know, this many copies and yeah, it's just like such a big resurgence, I guess, like for some, you know, some people really struggled financially during COVID and some people were like, oh, actually, I've got loads of spare money because I'm not going out and, uh, you know, either watching gigs or like going to restaurants, bars and things. <laughs> right. And so a lot of people had money to spare on uh, on collecting vinyl. And like, I think it's great. However, like this kind of vinyls people are buying are like the big ones and there's so you know the, the there just wasn't the infrastructure to support all of these people buying all these big vinyls mm-hmm. um and, and i think there was like uh delays in like the materials as well that's what i heard as well so there was like such a big backlog and then suddenly a huge interest and then bands like uh my band we ordered our vinyl for our new album in january of uh 2022 and we received them in December. So it was when they said, like, okay, yeah, it's a seven-month turnaround. I'm really sorry it takes this long, but this is what it's looking to be. Like, okay, so we're like, okay, seven months, it sucks, but we'll do it. And then it ends up being 12 months. And, mm-hmm. like, the fans are emailing me all the time, like, where's my vinyl? You said it was going to be June, July. And I'm like, yeah, like, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> like, Adele has ordered all of the vinyls in the whole planet. <laughs> And I'm glad you know that story because I worked at, uh, during the uh, pandemic, I worked at a, at a brick and mortar record store. Uh, oh, cool. And that was when she put out her, her album as well, uh, 31 or whatever, or 30 or whatever it's called. And, yeah. um, and that was interesting because, yeah, it pushed everything back even farther because they pressed over a million copies of that on just final alone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like when a a big label is waving like money at you saying, I need this many thousands of copies, even though the next person in line is going to be, you know, some small band trying to do a run of like 200, you're going to have to go where the money is. And and unfortunately, they end up jumping the queue like, (laughs) oh, yeah. For like the next like two years or something. Like the whole time, it's just been like you keep being pushed back and back and back because they keep getting better offers from bigger labels and they need it done immediately. So, you know, it's not a problem if you're at the top of the pile, but when you're like, okay, we don't even have a huge profit margin on these on these vinyls. We're make, making hardly anything. We just need to get them in stock so we can make some, because, you know, we paid for them back in uh, January and they're very expensive, like, investment to, to make to, to print vinyl. Um, yeah, it, it is a big issue. Like, I wish, you know, I, I love that people are buying vinyl, like, I'm glad they're buying physical music rather than just streaming. But, you know, I hope they, they consider that, like, the, the bands that really need you to buy the vinyl are the ones who are doing this for the first time and, like, the small bands and stuff. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I'm a, I'm just around in Louisville, Kentucky. And, no, we have a, a small record pressing plant about 25 minutes south of Louisville. And they, and it, they were, a like, a two-guy operation. And... 
even with them, there were they were still a couple of months behind on all of their orders, but now it's like 14, 18 months. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. Because they've even had people hit them up from other places to to do their vinyl. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's a yeah. lot. Yeah, we. I guess like I just keep thinking like. Also, um, until recently, there wasn't a vinyl pressing plant in the whole of the UK. Like they'd all closed down, mm. um, and so everyone was getting theirs ordered in from like uh, the Czech Republic and stuff like this. Everything's coming over from Europe, and then we had this whole Brexit thing where we can't buy things from Europe as easily, and there's tax and there's all got all kinds of weird things. And finally, someone set up a, a UK like vinyl pressing plant, like this, like summer last year or something. And it was like, oh, thank God, everything's going to be a lot quicker now. Um, but they just got completely backlogged. Like, with well, as soon as they were announced, they were open. Like, everyone just rushed in, and uh, yeah, there's just t- too much vinyl. <laughs> right, and you know, starting a record pressing plant like a you know actual vinyl pressing plant is a huge startup money-wise yeah and i guarantee that like if they did their if they were not like just like shitty business people (laughs) they were probably a millionaire by the end of the year (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) with so many so many independent bands and the resurgence of vinyl and everything so (laughs) yeah absolutely so i do want to ask you this is you 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 were on tour with Merciful Fate. I saw you uh Merciful Fate at the Cincinnati show on November 4th. Cool. And how did that happen? Uh okay, so um the story is uh they were looking for a bass player uh to to cover this tour um uh, because Joey the Merciful Fate bass player is also in Armored Saint, and that's kind of his main band. But uh, because of all this whole COVID thing over the last few days, tours ended up being moved here and there, and they had this support tour um, supporting Wasp, um, Armored Saint did. So uh, when that got moved, it ended up clashing with the Merciful Fate tour, something like that. It was something like some things got moved around, and it meant that Joey was busy when Merciful Fate wanted to do this run of dates that hadn't yet been announced. Um but uh, yeah, so they were just looking for someone and their management kind of gave them a list of a load of people and they were like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe some of these. But they were looking through and they were like, why are these all guys? And, uh, you know, I, I, none of these are really like jumping out at me. Like, uh, maybe we should like look elsewhere. And then they were like, oh, so what are you saying? You, you'll want to look at maybe having a girl playing. And they were like, yeah, why not? And they were like, well, if we can find one, then that works and let's do it. And uh, I think they'd also um, seen uh, there's this woman called Tanya O'Callaghan, I think her name is. She was playing with Whitesnake on their last tour. And they were like, oh, maybe she's free because that tour's over. Um, And so they're kind of looking at her. And so like that was kind of the inspiration. They were like, "Okay, well, Tanya's doing it and people have received her really well. Um, And then uh, Hank, uh, Hank Sherman, the guitarist, suggested me he was like oh there's this uh, bass player i've been following on instagram for a few years and you know she's into all this metal stuff like she's done covers of merciful fate songs on her instagram and i think it might be worth looking at and then yeah uh king diamond had a look at it and he said like yeah this i think this this can work they were like watching some of the some of my youtube videos and things and yeah they were uh keen to get me in and like you know it is really baffling to me because I've never played 
a tour on that level before you know i've never been on a tour bus i've never gigged in america like uh i've never done a, a full month worth of being away touring it and you know the the these venues are all between like two and five thousand people and the festival's even bigger but uh you know like normally my kind of shows were like you know 200 and 500 people like right. at, at best so so yeah it was like huge for me and it, you know i just thought like how are they of all the people they could have picked of all the people they could have asked like a huge band like merciful fate they could have asked any bass player and they would have said hell yeah <laughs> uh but you know they put their trust into me which was like i was just baffling and um so they were on tour in europe doing a festival like all the festivals around europe and uh, they came to play at Bloodstock Festival, which is in the Midlands, like near Birmingham. Uh, and I was going because this was like, oh, my God, the first time I get a chance to see Merciful Fate. This is amazing. And but I had no idea at that time. I just went to the festival to, just to watch them, really, and just to hang out with my friends. And so I'm wandering around on the Saturday afternoon before they're playing. And uh, someone comes up to me and says, will you will you come and meet this person? And I'm like, uh, who's that? And uh, they were saying this, uh, someone called Livia, who I now know is uh, King's wife. <laughs> ah. At the time, I was like, who's Livia? Uh, but yeah, OK, I'll come and meet her. Like, OK, sure. And then they bring me over and then I realize I'm going backstage behind the main stage. And I'm like, wait, where are we going? What's going on? Um, and then uh, I end up speaking to the management and they're like they're like oh yeah wait here and there's a lot of like waiting and i'm just there confused like you know i just wanted i just came to a festival to like see some bands and now i'm behind the stage and i don't know what's going on <laughs> and then yeah the the manage manager came up to me and was like oh do you know why you're here and i'm like uh no <laughs> and he says oh merciful fate want to uh uh bring bring you on tour with them and i'm like what oh, how like in what way like am i doing merch like is my band going to be supporting your band or something and he's like no no you will play bass for merciful fate and i'm like whoa <laughs> like wow like but yeah my mind is like blown i'm like this can't be real i i i'm drinking i'm, I'm dreaming I've had too many ciders or something like this. Is, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm hallucinating on <laughs> like what did I what have I had today? Um, but yeah, that was uh, yeah just shocking and um, I couldn't believe it. Then I came to meet King Diamond and I got to meet the rest of the band. We had a very brief chat i was very quiet i was just like stunned into silence really i just couldn't believe what was going on and i also just felt very self-conscious like uh, you know someone someone like younger and like is not part of the this world like this huge world of like the where all like the big metal like gods <laughs> live you know i just don't really know that world too well and i you know uh, but you know i spoke to them and then they were all super lovely and then um i watched from side of stage while they played their bloodstock performance and then afterwards they just said yeah like let, let us know what you think about our question to you and i'm like oh my like yes like i don't even need to look at my calendar like i'm going there's no way <laughs> i would turn down this kind of opportunity um so yeah yeah like they made a big they made a big deal about it as well which was really like bizarre for me because you know just as kind of an unknown kind of uh bass player but that's the thing you know you think you're unknown and like nobody really cares but Hank Sherman turns out he was following me for a few years and uh, you never know who's watching I guess is the point um, when you're putting out little videos and wondering if 
anything would ever come out come of it like someone was watching and i managed to do that tour off the back of it <laughs> nice so did you know that that hank sherman was was following you on instagram before no that? i didn't actually no no i don't <laughs> so think it's like I'd, a burner account <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Hank, Sh- Hank Sherman's burner account. That's great. <laughs> yeah, or maybe he wasn't following. Maybe like I just come up in his feed and he just remembered my name or something. I don't know. Like, so yeah. But you know, it was good that he he, he I you know I, I guess like, he remembered me enough to uh, to to yeah suggest me for that role. Absolutely. So how did it work for going back to fury and saying um okay here's what's gonna happen this is what i've been offered how did that how did they uh take that i assume you're still in the band so obviously it all worked out but yeah yeah how was was that initial conversation it was um i think yes some of the band were actually there at the festival so yeah some of them heard straight away and they were just so super excited because I I didn't have any like signal at the um, at the festival. My, actually, my phone was running out of battery at the time this was all happening. Um, you know, with Merciful Fate, so I, I didn't tell any of my friends until I came back to the campsite at like two in the morning, like absolutely buzzing. <laughs> and just be like, you never guess what happened, like because I was like, you guys, like, did you watch Merciful Fate? And they were like, oh no, sorry, you know, we we were going to, but kind of tired, so we came back to the campsite, and I'm like dude like i was on the side of stage <laughs> um because and they asked me to come do the talk and so yeah like um so the guitarist was there and he was like super psyched um a, a lot, there was like a lot of rumors so the band i wanted to tell the, the rest of the band like together in person and talk through it all and just be like you know i'm gonna have to miss these particular gigs but we'll figure something out um but uh, unfortunately, rumors got to them before I could tell them myself. And um, our vocalist, Julian, he, he wasn't exactly very happy with me at first. Just it was more it was just that I didn't speak to him first, like mm. directly. He had to hear it from someone else. And he was a bit like, oh, damn, like, OK, well, where is this going? And because also like, you know, when you hear it from rumors, you hear different stuff like people were messaging me saying oh my god you're joining merciful fate like wow you, are you going to america like and it's like no i'm not joining um i'm just going for a month in america with merciful fate so it's it's not all that big um but you know once i kind of explained everything um and then we looked at options for there weren't actually that many gigs i had to miss from fury unfortunately it was more than i thought there would be because there were some days of rehearsals um but uh, my partner is also a bass player, so he covered some of them. Um, and then we got um, another friend to cover one of the other ones, and everything worked out okay. And to be honest, like everyone seems really happy about it because for the band, uh, we've definitely had a lot more uh, Americans like listen to the band now because they're like, oh, who's this bass player? And oh, she has her own band, Fury. Let's let's give them a listen. And you know, the the music style isn't too dissimilar to. Merciful Fate. It's definitely that, like you know, old school, very heavy on the riffs, um, intense vocals and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's managed to get us some new uh, opportunities, I think, and just a way to get into a new audience. And I'm hoping it kind of continues to help myself and and uh, and Fury. Definitely, and you know, that's ultimately the 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 lottery winning aspect of of having the gig is yeah, you get to share the stage with 
uh, Merciful Fate and a tour, you know, with uh, with Creator and Midnight, who are awesome people as well. Yes. And then, you know, and then your primary gig with Fury is, you know, you get to the benefit of that as well. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's, you know, we don't know how how it's going to impact in the future like I- i'm hoping you know over time like people will still keep discovering fury from this link but um you know it's good for me to have that uh experience and also uh, as i said before this these these aren't really the circles i've been moving in before so having getting to meet these people getting to meet like the guys from metal blade and stuff like these are very important contacts like i met bloody i met dave Grohl, dude and <sighs> i just did not expect that to happen in my life but it did and i was like this is just cool like even though you know he's you know he he has nothing he can do to help me in, in my position uh he's a different genre but it's just really cool <laughs> it just looks cool <laughs> yeah unless he comes up with another probot album right <laughs> oh yeah yeah well, who knows because <laughs> uh, be king did sing on that then absolutely yeah. that see that's totally cool and you know it at least it wasn't like a thing of saying like oh well you know you did this and you know the the feelings of betrayal or jealousy or anything everybody's cool with it and that's awesome yeah yeah and i'll say this being from the states it was a pretty big deal because they had not actually been on a a u.s tour in like 23 years so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you could tell like from uh just how like crazed the audience were they were just like it was like a life-changing experience it seemed like it from from some of the people how they were talking about it online after the shows and how they were experiencing it there like you know there's people probably like a similar age to me like i'm in my early 30s and you know if if merciful fate haven't played in america since uh for like wait hang on since they were like 10 years old (laughs) yeah exactly like they they were they had no chance they had no chance to see this band right so you know and if it's their favorite band for a long time then um then yeah it's just like really cool (laughs) oh for sure and and you know the tour originally there were rumblings about it happening they were going to do psycho las vegas in 2020 oh yes yeah and the rumblings were that hey there there's rumor out there that they're going to go on a u.s tour next year in 2021 well, then they canceled the 2020 uh, Psycho show. Uh, then they then they canceled the, the 2021 tour and had it, and it was pushed back to to now. And it was just like so much. Being from a fan aspect on my side was so much anticipation, and it's just like yeah. And then seeing the thing, the the posts drop, and it's just like I bet you. I was telling my friends, it's like you watch. It's going to get announced, and it's going to be somebody like Midnight and Creator as, <laughs> as support. And literally, like, the day before uh, the the tour was announced, all three bands dropped the same videos. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I totally called this. <laughs> you like, called it. Wow. I was like, how did this happen? And, and, and it's totally cool. But, yeah, uh, like... That is such a rad thing. That's like, uh, for me, that would be like somebody coming up and being like, hey, do you want to play with, you know, Metallica for these these 18 dates or whatever? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, and yeah. <laughs> and 
being a bass player myself, I would totally be the same way. If you know, Merciful Fate came up to me, I'd be like, "Where do I sign up?" Yeah. <laughs> now, had you ever been to the states before? Um, I have for like um, just like some. Uh, I've met some friends over there who are also musicians, and we just kind of. We, I went to Nam, the uh, kind of music um, gear. Yeah. The yeah the the heaven for like musicians. Uh, I went there in 2020 just before all the lockdown started. Um, so yeah, okay, like so I, you I went to America, the LA only now. LA. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hadn't traveled around. Okay, yeah, because they also have a Nam in Nashville in like July. So oh right, yeah, the summer summer and winter Nam shows. That's cool. So at least you know you had your your passport and all of that, and you everything was. It was like everything like played out to where it needed to. Yeah, eventually that you know I hadn't um, I needed to get a visa to do the uh, the tour in America, and that was a bit touch and go. Like getting you know the, there was bigger uh, delays in like the embassies and things. So mm-hmm. uh, I I actually missed my first flight when I was meant to fly to uh, to the USA and start the rehearsals. I still didn't have my passport back. And so um, it, it came back to me like two days late. And so I got like the first flight I could as soon as I got the passport back in my hand. Uh, and it was, you know, it was very scary for a while because I thought I'm going to miss all of these rehearsals. I'm going to go like either go straight on stage, like feeling very underprepared. Like yeah, it was fine. Like I didn't like in the end, the rehearsals were very quick and it was all fine. But just, you know, that kind of anxiety of not not having the opportunity to test it out and playing with people like I've not really met before um, or that I was going to miss the tour altogether. Like they'd already started speaking to Joey, the the like actual bass player. Like, could you just do this first day of the tour? Because, you know, like I see, you know, his tour started like a few days later and it would just give me a bit more time to get over. Or, you know, if I'd have they'd have to look like at someone else completely to do the whole tour i was like so upset because i had you know i've been practicing these songs really hard for the last like six weeks or something and uh it was like i was a bit concerned i'd never actually be able to go (laughs) oh wow talk about getting down to the wire and everything yeah yeah that's insane so i do want to break off and ask some general profile questions about you as a person because that's that's part of the fun about about doing the show uh, I did field a couple of questions from listeners out there. Uh, one of them asked, and <laughs> so in America, chili is like a big thing, and Cincinnati has their own like style of chili. He wanted to know, did you have any of it while you were there? I don't think I ate any chili whatsoever nice. when I was in America. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, all good because you know it was. It's like. Texas has theirs, uh, it, you know. Cincinnati is that way. You know, it's all. It's like this, this big thing. It's like, do you put beans or noodles or nothing in it? And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Cincinnati is famous for for chili. It's called Skyline Chili. So, and it's like a no noodle, no bean. It's kind of like a, a meat sauce chili. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm a vegan, so maybe oh. that's. Oh, <laughs> interesting. It would be all bean, all bean for me. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, no, uh, a no meat chili then. Yep. <laughs> uh, what are three things that you would leave in a time capsule for people to open in 50 years? Oh, okay. Hmm. 
50 years. Okay, so when would that be? Like, yeah, 2070. Mm. Oh my god, I don't know. Like, I don't know, like a Nokia mobile phone, one of those like brick phones <laughs> with snake on it, like still fully charged. Um, <laughs> and it would probably know. still be fully charged because those things didn't die yeah. at all. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, might be worth worthwhile investment. Yeah, you would think. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, a, a Nokia phone. What else? What are the other two things um, you would have? I would. Um, I was thinking maybe like a letter. Like I could write about what's happening, like in the world right now. Um, and you know, I you know, I guess people would put like a newsletter in, but maybe like a personal letter or something to whoever it is. Um, and I don't know, maybe some seeds of a vegetable or something you never know you never know what's going to like die out in the next like 50 years you know oh, yeah. like the population is like declining and you never know like what kind of interesting uh foods you may not be able to get in 50 years i mean i don't know maybe it's maybe a bit like a doomsday thing uh but you know i you'd right. like to know just in case <laughs> you know that's interesting i've never i've never actually had anybody say something like a seed like that before because of not knowing that who knows maybe in tomatoes maybe in 50 years tomatoes won't be around yeah which would be yeah. wild maybe like, as hell but yeah <laughs> or maybe like something that would uh uh work with a more watery a wetter climate you know <laughs> right right see that's who that's knows? that's totally interesting because you know you never know of you know everybody talks about like animal extinction and stuff like that but you know do, does anybody you never see anybody say anything about plant extinction mm -hmm, yeah yeah and, and it, it does happen like you know people don't think about it as much and you know i guess most of our vegetables are you know very carefully uh kept like in like farmed and stuff so you know we don't think about it but you know wild plants always go extinct and stuff um, oh for sure never know interesting uh, if you swapped genders for a day, how would you spend it? Oh, right. Um, I would go, I think I would go into like guitar stores and like <laughs> uh, DIY stores and just see what it's like, like uh, see if people treat you any differently and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd, I'd try things out in um, in like music instrument shops because... I, you know, I do feel like they kind of treat you slightly differently as a, as a woman going into these kind of stores. And uh, I just like to see how, uh, you know, people treat you differently in, in different places, uh, like or at the gym or at a gig, at a pub. And just that, um, see if you feel much different. I've, I've heard of people like talk about the, the differences and like, uh, you know, people may take you more seriously or maybe people don't notice you as much. You can blend in more easily as a man than you can as a woman. So it, does, it has its uh, benefits and its like disadvantages. So, uh, yeah, I think I just get out in the world and just see how how different it is, uh, how people treat me differently. For sure. Absolutely. So, so when you go into a like a guitar shop or something like that and, you know, I'm sure you get the, well, who... It's, She's probably in here buying something for her boyfriend or whatever. And then you pick up a bass and you just completely blow them away. 
<laughs> yeah, like that's how it goes in my head. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, but normally I just kind of go in and then they're like, oh, yeah, who are you getting it for? And I'm like, oh, I just I wanted to try it myself for, for myself. And they're just like, well, this is how you plug it in and this. And you're like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> and then you're just like, you know, I just I just don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> and then you just kind of you have a little like play. You're like. I don't know. I'm not the kind of person who likes to show off, really, uh, especially in those kinds of settings, like uh, like guitar shops. You know, where there's people there just shopping around, and there's someone just there, like the most like uh, I don't know, over the top thing. It's always like I don't know. I feel very cringy about that. So um, yeah, like, but you know, people don't expect you to know what you're talking about. But then I guess you know. Uh, a lot of people who work in music stores probably expect not very many pe- people, even men, to not know what they're talking about. So you do have to kind of like, just just to be sure, talk to them as if they know nothing. <laughs> right. I mean, I kind of go into the store with the mentality sometimes of saying, this is made of wood. It has uh, strings and these make sounds. <laughs> Everything, yeah, yeah. all the technical stuff. Oh, it's a it's a thirty four inch scale bass with you know Grover. I'm like that doesn't bother me. That does not get to me at all. Yeah, I'm just like it's a bass. It's a Rick. It makes good sounds. Same. Yeah. Actually, I'm not. I'm not much of a gear nerd. Like I know how. You know, I know how to like work it. I know how to like turn on and do some things with it. But yeah, I'm not super interested in um like all of the like fine details like i i wish i was i wish i knew all the all the technical mumbo jumbo but i don't so like oh, sure. you know i don't really want to get into some kind of a uh knowledge war with a uh a, like a music instrument shop like worker cuz i'll probably lose <laughs> yep i would as well and that's just like my my drummer is a sound uh sound guy also and he has his own home recording studio and just like the the sheer like science behind recording, like oh, mm-hmm. all the negative dBs, and you want to set this to this and this to that, and it's like oh, it's like I just hit record and and, and go. Yeah, yeah, though, no, yeah. I, <laughs> I trust my gear enough to just be like, I I think it sounds good already. I'm just gonna record it and send it to you, and you can fiddle with it if you like yes exactly <laughs> yeah it's very fascinating but like yeah my my interest is more in playing it than um you know sculpting uh, and learning the the science and the math behind um how all that works definitely i agree uh what is the most important thing you carry with you all the time oh um what do i carry i, I carry earplugs I find them really useful, <laughs> like, you know, stuff that isn't, you know, your phone and your charger and your wallet. Um, but yeah, I always take earplugs with me because I, I, I don't know. Um, I always find looking after your hearing is very important and you never know when things are going to be like unexpectedly loud. So uh, also because I, if I don't take them with me every day, I know I will forget them when I'm going to a gig or I'm going somewhere. But yeah, no, I'm the lame person that even like at a club, if like if I'm like at a nightclub and it's loud, I'm like I'm putting my bloody earplugs in. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or at the cinema or something. Like if it's too loud, I'm like nah. nah I nah, get nah. that. This is too. These ears are too important to me. Like this is my career. If I can't hear things, then. Uh, I don't. I don't really have a job anymore. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my band recently, in 2022, made the switch to using uh, in-ear monitors. Oh yeah, smart. And I noticed like 
such a difference with my hearing just after shows. Mm, like, yes. not, there was like no, virtually no ringing, you know, because I also, that's what, uh, the time I started using earplugs. And I've been playing music for almost 30 years. And this one, this year <laughs> is when I started using earplugs. Uh, oh. So, <laughs> and, and it's wild to, to be able to come out of a show and not have that, that droning feeling that you get yeah. when you just had so much sound exposure when you you know like for me it's like when i close my eyes it just has this like wavy feeling for mm-hmm. for my ears trying to readjust to no volume so that's yeah i definitely understand the earplug is an everyday carry now yeah <laughs> uh since the since the merciful fate thing happened for you this would be a perfect question for you what do you think one of the biggest cons of being famous would be? Um, oh, a con. Um, I think, um, I guess people, you know, you, you, you've been too accessible to people, if you know what I mean. And like, um, not really knowing, uh, who to trust because, you know, you, you meet so many fans um and you know my observation of other people meeting a lot of fans and you know some of them can be just so sweet and so genuine and lovely and then some of them will like you know kind of start like that and seem like they're a big fan but really they're you know they're trying to get information out of you about something or they're you know that their motives are not like legit (laughs) so um yeah i think just people taking advantage really of and you know thinking that they that they know you and uh, you know just your kind of exposure to people i guess like where if they uh, if you start posting things more online like for me uh, because i have i do a lot of like social media stuff um the, the more my video or post or whatever reaches people the more backlash it will get so it's kind of like if i was only sharing this with my friends they would all just be very positive and nice but you know you have to have kind of a thick skin when you start to um you know, be known by people because people will always have an opinion about you. And even if they're like, even if they're genuinely a nice person, they're normally really cool and they wouldn't say something mean to someone. They'll say something mean about you if they, if you're like more well known, because they think you won't see it. They they think you won't read their comment, right. but you do. And then you're like, ow, that actually hurts. <laughs> and they probably like just wouldn't expect that. Uh, but yeah, they, but like, like famous people do sometimes read comments and uh and even the you know all the positive comments you get like you could have a hundred positive and then one negative and you'll always remember the one negative one and you'll be like well what what like compelled this person like (laughs) so like so much that they'd spend their time just like ruining my day and you know kind of it's it's so yeah you just need to have thick skin with it i suppose oh for sure yeah i i could ima- always imagine lars reading the negative comments to saint anger yeah yeah Which i like, like that album i'm that minority yeah. i like that album but i could imagine him being like what what <laughs> <laughs> yeah like so many people make jokes about him and i'm like you know, you know, there was a time that he was really really freaking good and <laughs> and he's still a good drummer and like you know he you know he shouldn't be I, i'm sure he doesn't worry about what people say about him online but yeah like um 
I, yeah, I feel bad for him as well because uh, I, I, I get think it. He's great. I love Metallica. <laughs> he he does get un- unjustly chastised for you know for you know just adapting the way he plays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you can, and, oh, no. go ahead. Uh, but yeah, I I know. I guess like. I guess the argument is like there's so many uh, talented new drummers who would just like nail it, but you know if you're not Lars, you're not Lars, unfortunately. Like <laughs> exactly, yeah, pedigree pedigree speaks. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, if you could be a personal assistant to anyone, who would it be? Oh, personal assistant. Um, oh, that's really hard. Um, it would have to be someone really. Nice. It would have to be like. Oh, like who's really nice in the music industry? Like my th- my first instinct would be like Dave Grohl or something. Like I've never really been a huge Dave Grohl fan, actually. Uh, tell you the truth, until the night I met him, and then I was like, oh wait, he's actually really cool because he has this like persona of like he's like the nicest guy in rock. And I always had this feeling like surely not. Like you, nobody's that nice. Like he's just a real person, and it's all just like a, a, a show. Um, and so, I, you know, I like the Foo Fighters. I like Nirvana, but I, I never got the huge like worship of Dave Grohl that like seems to be quite big. But then when I met him, I was like, oh my god, no, this guy is so nice, <laughs> and, uh, and he had such a yeah, just like a warm aura around him, and everyone, he just made everyone smile. And um, yeah, I think I, you know, he may not be my favorite rock star, but it would have to be someone like that though, who I feel like would be really nice. Uh, like I'd love to. Uh, I'd do anything to like meet James Hetfield, for example. But I feel like we probably would fall out at some point. <laughs> ah, yes. like, I-, I love him to bits, and uh, I'd do anything to play for Metallica one day. But we'd probably fall out if I was his personal assistant. So um, yeah, it would be someone like Dave Grohl or some yeah, someone really yeah. sweet. Somebody who's not going to you you wouldn't expect them to treat you like shit or something, or have yeah. to be there a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, someone really laid back and like, yeah, someone who yeah, won't give me a very hard job. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I can imagine he doesn't even have much like an assistant. He probably just has like some mates who just hang around and help him out with stuff. Like, that's my my feeling. <laughs> yeah, he seems like he honestly seems like the person who would be his own guitar tech. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know so what I'm saying? Someone be like, "Oh yeah, do you want this?" And he'd be like, "Oh no, 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 no I'll get it myself." Yeah, like, exactly. I felt like that because this is my first time I had a guitar tech on this tour, and like, I'd be like going to pick up my bass, and he's picking it up for me and handing it to me. I'm like, "Oh no, it's fine. Like, I, I can pick up my bass." Uh, and then you know, he'd be like, "Oh, you want some water?" And I'm like, "It's okay. I can get my water." And then I realized like. This is his job. I'm like, I shouldn't be taking his job away from him by insisting that. I, but it just felt weird that someone else was like handing me stuff when I, I was for so long used to like just do, sorting it all out myself. Um, so yeah, like <laughs> it is it's weird to then like have someone helping you. <laughs> oh, for sure. So you you said that was the first tour that you'd ever had like a guitar or like a tech or anything. I do want to. Yeah, like. I've had friends like, you know, uh, you know, some friends would come uh, like who are also musicians now, like help a bit, you know, as a kind of general tech, general roadie, like mm-hmm. help set up some of the stuff. But yeah, not someone who's just there, stood at the side of stage, keeping an eye on you. Um, you know, if anything goes wrong, you just go, hang on, I, I need this in my monitor or uh, something's cutting out or 
um, I am thirsty or something like this, like, and they'll just sort it out for you. That's the first time I've had someone dedicated doing that job for me. So uh, that was like very interesting Definitely. <laughs> and really, really cool. Yeah, it was a bit of a like, I, I don't know, kind of, I didn't want to let it get to my head too much, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> so one thing I did notice about the, the show that I went to in Cincinnati, the obviously the stage setup is is always amazing with King and Merciful Fate and you know the the theatrical aspect of it is great. So um I'd wanted to say that I really thought a lot of the the art direction I don't know if it was necessarily a conscious effort and maybe you could say a yes or no to it is all of the the players like you and Hank uh, you you all played white guitars ah. <laughs> on stage and were all dressed in mostly in black. I know there's a few other shows where you had had some of uh, uh, you had the one show where you had the the shirt designed by Christina from Creeping Death Designs, uh, which yeah. I'm friends with. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Yes. So was that like a conscious effort of of like um, we're all going to look similar oh, on stage? Yeah, partly. Yeah. So when um, when I first when I was first asked to play this tour, uh, King gave me a phone call and we spoke for a while about everything. And he said about like the like the clothes. And I, I mean, I'd already been watching some of their live shows and I was like, OK, I need to, I, I want to dress like I would fit into this kind of setting. And he and he did say, like, uh, I've noticed you tend to like wear like shorts or like skirts and stuff when you play live and that, that's not really our thing like it would be very if you play wear like trousers or something uh but you could get like some really cool ones with like customized with like studs and like shiny things and cool stuff and i'm like oh yeah i'm totally gonna do that um so uh yeah so uh, i knew i had to wear all black and um i think i don't know i guess it's quite a natural thing to do um it just always looks cool. It's just a classic look. So, um, and then I just, yeah, I wanted to make, and he said, uh, no band t-shirts, so no logos. And that's just more of a, uh, it just makes things easier for like copyright and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Um, like, um, I, I love wearing band t-shirts, but yeah, I do understand it. It's better. It's easier to make things plain. If you've got like logos going on, it's, it's not it's a bit of a mess. So, for sure. um, but yeah, there was that, but I think the white guitar thing, I think it's all accidental. Um, but we were talking about it. Like some of the guys have different guitars and I also had a, a black Rickenbacker as well that I brought with me and that came out on some of the shows. Okay. Um, so yeah, like the, the guitar thing was kind of accidental, but I think when we realized we all had a white guitar and when we all like stood together in a line to do like certain cool lead parts and pretended we were Judas Priest. Uh, but when we realized that like, we all have white guitars, like we're like, okay, no, let's do this. Let's stick with these guitars as much as possible. And we'll only swap them if we like, if we break a string or, or something, we really need to do it. Definitely. Um, so yeah, it was um, somewhat a conscious effort, but, but you know, it's just kind of a, a natural thing really. Like when you start like, because yeah, me and Hank came out and we were like, "Oh, our, our trousers are kind of similar." Actually, they kind of got the kind of uh, like uh, eyelets on on the side and things. So yeah, hell yeah, we're just cool guys. <laughs> we're just cool. <laughs> Can't help yeah, it. it just it all played out. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, so I have one more question, but before we ask it, uh, do you have any shout outs you want to give to anybody? Um, 
Um, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can't think of any right now. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, as always, links are listed below, so please give a like, a share, and a follow. Uh, support in any and every way you can, uh, whether it's on Bandcamp, uh, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, go buy merch. Go stream songs. Go buy albums. Support in any way you all can out there. Thank you. Uh, final question of the day is, if you decide to be cremated... Where would you want to have your ashes spread? Oh, okay, that's cool. Um, oh, okay. Let's just say off the on the Black Sabbath Bridge in Birmingham. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that would be cool because I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but I've only lived in Birmingham for two years, but it feels like a very, you know, it feels like a spiritual home for me. It feels like this is where I'm going to stay. It's the center of the universe, really. It's great and. Um, even though I haven't been to the Black Sabbath Bridge yet, I will before I get cremated, I hope. And if I haven't, then that will be my final visit, my my one and only visit. And that, that works for me as well. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Sabbath fan. And like... So, yeah, like going and being a part of Birmingham, I, I, that's one of the places I'd love to um, to visit when I, when I come over. Because I've never been to to uh europe or the uk or anything and i'm planning on going next year in 2024 so i've got a lot of friend bands out there and you know i just want to and i just want to see a lot of them and you know sightseeing as much as possible i'd love to go to birmingham i'd love to go to like uh stoke and trent you know where lemmy was from because i'm a huge motorhead fan and everything and so oh, cool. Hell yeah. Becky, thank you so much for coming on the Metal Forge this week. This has been awesome. I appreciate you and you know, keep kicking ass out there because that's what it's what you do, it seems like. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fantastic. Great to chat with you. For sure. So from the Born to Sin album from Fury, what song do you want me to play out today? Okay, um, let's have if you get to hell first. All right, the opening track of the album. Here we go. This is from Fury. If you get to hell first.
What's up, Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind, then tune into my brand new podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Featuring first-hand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code MetalForge10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio, something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only, so give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground, from the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine, an independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. 
Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.com bigcartel.com 